Welcome to Choosing Hope, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. My name is Munira Pranji, and I am the host of this podcast. The vision of this podcast is to connect you with ordinary, everyday people from around the world. People who are making a difference. People who are contributing to their communities and the world in small and big ways through their ideas, their imagination, their challenges, their purpose, and their passion. My guest today is Anna Tyler, an award-winning author and journalist. She is also the creator of a podcast called Thank You Mama, which we will be talking about today. Let me tell you a little bit about Anna. Anna was born and raised in Zagreb, Croatia. When war broke out in Zagreb in 1991, she fled to Vienna, Austria, where she lived for a number of years. She graduated with an MBA and worked in the corporate world for several years. She then left the corporate life to focus on her passion for writing. Her first novel, From Barbie to Vibrator, was published in Croatia in 2008 and Austria in 2009. In 2010, she was awarded a prestigious grant to write a book. That book was Tito Land, and it tells the story of Tito's Yugoslavia. The book was published in Austria and Croatia and received extensive media coverage and several awards. Anna writes for German, Austrian, and Croatian newspapers and magazines and is working on her PhD in sociology. She is a certified New York City ballet workout instructor and is currently at work on her next book, which I'm sure we will be talking about. Anna splits her time between Vienna and Los Angeles. She is married to American best-selling author and screenwriter, Nick Kelman, and they have one son. So welcome to the podcast, Anna. I uh, am beyond delighted to have you join. Munira, thank you so much. This was such an impressive and beautiful introduction. I'm blushing in front of myself. <laughs> I see it. So, thank you. you know, when we talked about you coming on this podcast, there were so many potential topics we could explore. I mean, we could talk about your experience with living in a war zone country. We could talk about your two books and how writing called you. We could talk about your challenges and triumphs as a ballet dancer. And then, Anna, I listened to your podcast, Thank You, Mama. And I was so hooked. And mm -hmm. I got to tell you, your podcast has made it to my favorites list. And every night I get a cup of coffee and I just look forward to uh, listening to an episode. So, thank you for introducing and creating this podcast. And I can't wait to explore this further with you. Thank you so much. My heart is literally dancing when I hear that because I'm so in love with this project. And I'm thrilled that there are listeners like you who are just as emotionally touched by it as I am. I'm very, very excited. Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I, I put this on my things to do for something to anticipate and joyfully listen to. So let's get right to the podcast. Thank you, Mama. What inspired you to start this podcast? 
my incredible mama, my amazing, amazing mama, who was, uh, I don't even know where to start, who was an amazing woman professionally. She had two very successful professions. She was a movie actress and celebrated for her beauty, but also for her talent. She won all awards that she could win with, with her movies. And parallel to that, she went to the Academy of Arts and became a visual artist. So she became a graphic designer and worked as a painter, jewelry designer, graphic designer, started designing children's books and winning award with that as well. Every book she designed, mm. she won awards. So she was... That was amazing about my mama, seeing somebody who is so fulfilled and creative and successful in her profession. But then she was beautiful, but then she was also this amazing human being. And and she, back in the 70s, she started collecting and organizing help and aid and medication for hungry children in Africa. And she would fly with every package. She would fly to Africa, to the poorest regions, to personally make sure that it reaches those that it's intended to. She would save stray cats <laughs> and hedgehogs on the street. She was always there for anybody who needed her. People loved her because she was just such an amazing, warm human being. And that's, that's how she was as a mom as well. She, she only had me and her parents died when she was young. And she created this bond with me where she and I became best friends and sisters and soulmates and each other's support and help. And she made me who I am, you know, mm-hmm. and all of that that you recited in your introduction of me, that's thanks to my mom who always pushed me and supported me and said, yes, you can, you know, mm-hmm. and she was always so fit and, and healthy and beautiful. And I did not expect what happened, which is lungs, lung cancer stage four, that came as a surprise. and. We knew that we won't have much time, but then it happened within weeks. She was gone within a few weeks of her diagnosis. And I was left standing in front of an abyss. And I, to be honest, I was wondering at certain points, how am I going to not survive, but how am I going to continue without her? Thankfully, there was Kai, my son. And thankfully, everything she gave me is still here. (laughs) So after I I lost her a few weeks afterwards, one, one day I got this panic that I was going to forget things she told me and lessons she taught me and everything I've learned from her. So I sat down and started maniacally writing it down and I filled out pages and pages of my diary and then just left it there. And then last year I had a little health scare, thankfully very short and it turned out to be fine. But in this moment waiting for results, I was wondering what what would be this one thing that I wish I've still done in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it was the book of my mom's lessons, and which actually became, as I started writing, her life through her lessons. So I immediately started writing this book. And then I would tell my friends that I'm working on this new book about my mom's lessons. And my friends immediately started telling me about what they've learned from their mom. 
Right. <laughs> the best things in life happen so spontaneously, mm-hmm. you know. And this is where I thought, oh, this would be a perfect podcast. Just talk to women right. from all over the world because my friends are so international and just talk to them about lessons they learned from their moms. And my husband was here extremely supportive. I'm very grateful to him because I was nervous. You started a podcast as well. And it's, you know how it is. It's something yes. new and then you have to buy equipment and you have to learn and you have to get used to your voice. And But he kept on pushing me. He thought this was a fantastic idea. And every day he's like, did you buy a microphone? And I would be like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, no, no, no procrastination. Buy, go to Amazon, buy a microphone now. And this is how I started. This is how the podcast started. So this is way more than just a project, Anna. This is a calling. This is a way to give people an opportunity to share their mamas with the world. This is a way to keep your mom always, always with you. And you indicated that you started to write about all the lessons that she taught you. What was that like for you, the the writing and remembering in your journal about all of her lessons? What was that like for you? Well, writing, when I first wrote them down, it was really in this weird manic manic stage of just (gasps) write it all down in very short handwriting, you know, like just quickly put it all down. But then when I sat down and started working on the book last spring, that was a an extremely extremely deep experience i was i was sitting outside on my porch and working every day while my child was at school and i would spend hours just crying <laughs> it was yeah. i was i don't know if you know that movie with diane keaton i i always forget what it's called where she's a writer and she works in this beautiful house in the hamptons and she sits there and, and just howls and and this is how i felt day in day out i was just like <laughs> right I, it, it was a very deep emotional experience for very sure. deep but i've learned through my books that i i need that i use my writing to put the experiences and world not in order but but make sense of them to digest them in a way yeah and almost like to create meaning yes it's not just about it's about it's about creating something and it's a creative process that you 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 sparkle when you do, yeah. you know, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Mama Yagoda, your your yes. beautiful mom. But I also was curious about the name of your podcast because I love the name of your podcast <laughs> and and the way that you say the name. Can you just repeat it in your way? You just say it with such love. <laughs> I thought you made me nervous. Now I have stage fright. Thank you, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that name um, obvious? Did you have other names that Here's- you were considering? Here is a great story. Again, there's a great story behind everything. I had, I wrote down a bunch of names. I had one whole A4 page of different names that could be, and just could not decide. And that kills me because with my books, I'm always very, I was lucky to just find this one name and fall in love with it. And I couldn't decide. And this is why I started asking women. I went to a podcasting workshop and asked everybody there. And I asked all my friends and I did. And everybody loved Mama Says. So Mama Says got so, or Mama Said, I forgot one of those two. Mama Said got so many votes that it was kind of, I didn't have a choice. And then... 
one night I was lying in bed just before I had to make a final decision and it was kind of decided and it just didn't sit with me. It did not, my intuition was just like, this is not it. This is not the name for my podcast. So the next day I asked Kai because very often, (laughs) seriously, when I don't have an answer, I ask my (laughs) five-year-old and absolutely trust him. And I, I explained to him what it's about. And I gave him this short list of names, maybe three or four names. And he said, thank you, mama. And I said, Kai, why do you like, he was just shot it straight. Like, you know, didn't even think about it. And I said, Kai, why, why do you think that's the good name? And he said, because it it evokes emotions. It's full of emotions. Wow. Full of emotion. That's five year old. Five year old. He's a smart five year old. And and it's yes. set it's set right with you right away as soon as And you that was it. When he said it's full of emotion, when he so clearly knew exactly which name is right, and he knew when he had this answer, I didn't I didn't even need to think about it anymore. This was it. But what happened then was I went to podcasts, Apple Podcasts or somewhere and looked up the names and discovered there is already a podcast said Mama Said, or there is a song or something. Mama Said is already taken anyway. Yes. So I was even more sure that Kai's decision was the right one. And now I'm absolutely... Right. There there is no better name for this podcast. I agree. I agree. And I didn't know that there was a story behind this. (laughs) I I want to continue with Mama Yagra, but but before I I do that, you've mentioned Kai. Did your mom have a chance to meet Kai? Thankfully, she did. Mama was so excited to get a grandson. And I I lived in Los Angeles back then. Now I'm, I'm in Seattle. And with no family and just a few friends, mama knew. And that was always a plan that when I have a baby, she's going to help me out. So when Kai was about to be born, she came to Los Angeles to stay with us. Originally, I think we planned two months or three months. She stayed for four months. We didn't let her go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she was just amazing. It was the most beautiful present she could have given me. That in the moment when I became a mother, I was somebody's child at the same time. That felt, I was so grateful for that. For the fact that in that moment, my mom was there. And she was also practically extremely helpful. She took over the first night shift so she would take Kai at 10 p.m. and let me sleep until 2, sometimes even 3. Mm-hmm. Which if you have a newborn who needs to feed every two hours and you had a C-section and you're exhausted, right. this four or five hours of continuous sleep for the first four months is the most amazing thing anybody can give you. Mm, it's a so, beautiful <laughs> gift. And I have goosebumps, Anna, even <laughs> hear you speak. And what was she like as a grandma? She, you know, it's interesting. She was, of course, madly in love with him. She, she I, I think she, she loved her father, whom she lost very young. And to her, I think, I have a feeling it was connected to her father that there was uh, a boy now. And she always she was very, very excited about becoming a grandmother and and loved Kai and was was madly in love with him. But here's an interesting point, and I love her so much for this. 
she would always say, I love him. He, I adore him, but you are my child. You are my baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know how many grandparents there are who like, who just keep a generation who suddenly, and I know too well, we have those in the family who would just concentrate on the grandchild and forget that they have their own child in that situation. And as much as she loved Kai and adored him, I was her priority. And she would tell me that. She would say, you are more important. I, I adore your child, but you are my child and you are more important to me than he is. I love your mom, who obviously I know. Met. Yes. <laughs> she, wow. She's such an incredible person. <laughs> you know, just keeping with her for, for a little bit longer because I'm not ready to let her go. Yeah. Um, I listened to the podcast on Mother's Day, the one that you did about her. And uh, I cried and I, I smiled and I, uh, I got really emotional listening to that particular podcast. And one of the things you talked about is you said that she talked about the magic of existence, the magic of living, about being so passionate about life. So life for her was not just about surviving. She there was something about the magic of existence. Can you talk about that a little bit more? She was just so madly in love with life. Maybe because she was born at seven months, right after the war. And there's this story how the incubators broke down in the hospital. And her great-grandmother, uh, together with her father, took her out of the incubator to, to save her life. And she did survive because she was the only child who was taken out of these incubators. And then when she was 12, she lost her mom. And then when she was 26, she lost her father. And maybe this is what made her appreciate life, you know? That, or the fragility of life. The fragility of life. Right. And she, but what, what always fascinates me is that she always turned lack into love the love that she lacked or these people that were there instead of being bitter or angry or needy she somehow turned this into giving love so she received more love from others you know that that was fascinating about her she had all the reasons to be needy or to be in some way a negative, you know, a sucking energy, right. but she was always a giving. And I don't know how else to put it, but she was just madly in love with existing and being and being alive on this planet. You know, she was, she, she was so connected to nature and she enjoyed people and friends and creating and her work and simple things like, we come from this island in Croatia and, and we are both madly in love with it. And just being there and jumping in the water there or lying in the sun. We, Mama and I would go to the beach and just spend hours just mm -hmm. lying there and doing nothing. Nothing. Just, just lying there, looking at the sky, swimming, talking to each other and just being. And we would go for these long walks and... She was happy. I would call her on Skype and say, what are you doing? She's like, I'm happy. I'm home. The birds are chirping. Squirrels are jumping around. You know, my dog is sleeping next to me. I'm just happy. She was just, she enjoyed little things in life as well. A glass of wine and some fresh fish that she would get from the market. Mm. And just taking a walk with her dog. And mm. my dad told me, 
that he'll never forget one of the first things they experienced together. She was leaving somewhere and, and it was raining and he's like, oh, you wouldn't have an umbrella or something. And he said she just walked into this rain and just hugged it. And she was just, you know, she just, that was, yeah. <laughs> I can see it. I'm almost visualizing a yellow <laughs> umbrella that she just discards in order to, you know, just show up and, and go into the world. That's that's an incredible story. But um, of course, let's, you know, I never want to just, and this is what I'm trying to do in my podcast, not just glorify. Like mom was this amazing person. Mom was not a person who would wake up in the morning to make me breakfast before school or to make <laughs> me sandwiches for school or you know, like sometimes she would forget to pick me up or come too late to pick me up from preschool. Very often I would be the last person, the cleaners were cleaning and I was sitting there waiting. You know, she lived in this other dimension, which when I was younger, I would get upset about sometimes. But now the older I get, the more I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if I had sandwiches for school or if you forgot me in preschool. Right. She wasn't, <laughs> wasn't by any means perfect. She was just... No, no I want to stress that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did she know how ill she was? And did she know that she had limited time after she was diagnosed with the cancer? You know, this is a very strange topic for me because we... Mama and I talked about everything, everything in this whole universe. When this happened she kind of shut down about it. This was, and my dad and I talked about it and I said to him, I, we're not talking about this, what's going on. Do you think we should try? And he kind of tried with her and told me, no, she just shut, shut down. And to be honest, I, I was very insecure and I still am about the way I was conducted myself in this situation. Mm. But I just let her lead me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to push. I thought if she wanted to talk about this, she would. And we we didn't. We mm -hmm. just didn't. She was aware. And I I think that her leaving this abruptly and quickly was her own decision. I think she just decided, you know, I will live with dignity because this was such a surprise to her doctors and everybody. It was that, uh, that afternoon we still took a walk and we had a little fight <laughs> and, and it was really unexpected and sudden. And I think that she just decided. It looks yeah, like she, yeah, she lived on her own terms and she, she lived on her own terms. And I adore her for that. I, I you know, I, I really adore her for that. I, I hear the miss in your voice. And so mm -hmm. if you could speak to her today, what would you say to her? I, uh, the beautiful thing is that we always said everything to each other. Mm. And when I went to grief therapy after I lost her, my therapist released me after a few weeks. And she's like, you know what? Your grief is so healthy. You are just sad. You miss your mom. There's nothing to, you know. And that made me aware of, that for me was a lesson in good parenting. Because I thought a good parent is the one who leaves their child with a healthy grief where nothing is left unspoken. There are no unsolved things there. It's just this pure sadness that comes out of pure love. So we did not, I don't feel like 
much, but now now I wish I understood her loss better. I now now I understand how deeply wounded she was because her parents left so early. And I I wouldn't I was not able to understand this before she left. You know, this is something you have to experience. You can't in theory understand what it means to lose your parents so early, I think. Mm. Now I would be I don't know, I would I would I I I would be more aware that I was kind of a substitute for, for them and maybe even more behave like that. I did intuitionally, <laughs> but maybe even more consciously. Hmm. Wow, that was very, very deep, Anna. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things I think that we just need to process and yes, and, and work through through that. I'm so curious. How have you applied what you have learned from your mom as you parent Kai, your your brilliant five year old? Oh, he's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I've once I asked my mom before I was became a mom when we were walking on our island and saw a kid throwing a tantrum, and I said, "Mom, I don't remember me having tantrums. Like, how did you deal with my tantrums? How does a parent?" And she said to me, "You know, you never threw tantrums because you and I were always connected. You never had to fight for or against something." You and I are one. She was always telling me we, and we were one. And the way she was able to connect with nature and creation and other people, she connected with me. And I am trying to do that with Kai. I am trying to create this connection. I'm trying to be one with him, to understand mm-hmm. where his frustration comes from, where his sadness comes from, where his joy, to just, to not be opposed to him as a parent, but to just, try to feel him and connect with him but there's another thing that's very important to me and that I learned when she was gone and that I'm applying with Kai which is I when she was gone I realized that for me I learned that we are kind of batteries of love <laughs> and that love okay <laughs> and that because when she was gone I felt like I was fully charged with this love that is not going to leave. Like I felt like mm. she charged me to the extent that her love is going to be here as long as I'm alive. And this for me was, is what I'm trying to do with Kai. I'm not sparing, like there's no tomorrow, you know, I'm just putting all of this, I'm charging him with all my love and admiration and support and everything because I want him to one day when I'm gone to feel the same way. I want him to feel fully charged by his mom. (laughs) You know, I have to tell you that that comes through loud and clear. And I just love the metaphor, love the metaphor of a fully charged battery. And and I suppose to be a fully charged battery, we need self-care to make sure yes. that we are plugging in, yeah. doing what we need to do to be fully charged and to be that light to others. Yeah. But you see, this is one thing she was not so good with. Ah. She was not very good with self-care. Yeah. She was just giving, giving, giving and living and... <laughs> which, is, which is what made her human. Yeah. Yeah. So in your podcast, you interview women from different countries, different 
cultures, different ages, different backgrounds. First of all, where do you find all these fascinating individuals from around the world? <laughs> you know, I was very lucky to go to an international school in Vienna and then an international university there. So from there, I already have a very international group of friends. But then being Croatian, who lived in Austria and now in the United States, somehow, I, I don't know, I just, and I attract, I, I get along with people who are international. And then the podcast started doing its own thing. It got, it got its own life. And I also joined a group on Facebook of female podcasters. And this is a fabulous if anybody is doing a podcast it's called she podcasts and this is a fabulous platform i think on tuesdays you're you are allowed to ask for a guest and this is where i got many many of the wonderful guests on my podcast came from there okay and then i just shoot it out on my facebook page the other day i was like i'm looking for a mom from middle east or africa or you know and people were recommending their friends and this it just it has a life of its own. Yeah, women, are, yeah. women are coming, these amazing women, and this is the blessing. These amazing women from all over the world are coming my way now. <laughs> You're obviously attracting something wonderful. So I just wanted to share with the listeners some of the guests that you've had in your past podcasts. And you've had a molecular biologist. You've had a, you know, a former breast cancer surgeon. You've had uh, an accountant from Kenya. You've had a game producer from Seattle. You've had a stylist from Madrid. <laughs> I mean, it is, you've, you've had a TV and film actress. And it is really quite the fascinating group. And so I was wondering if you might be able to share uh, a couple of stories from your guests that have particularly surprised you or struck you? The absolute first one would be the molecular biologist from Turkey. Yes. Because her mom comes from a farming village in the middle of Turkey somewhere. She was not allowed to go to school. She was basically illiterate, so her neighbors had to help her children with their homeworks. She had three daughters she pushed these three daughters gently, as my guest explains, with so much love and, and care. She gently pushed them to highest education. My guest was a, had a PhD in molecular biology. Her sister is a lawyer. He, her other sister is a HR manager in London. They all live somewhere in the world, and they are all extremely successful, happy, international women. Mm. Which when you think about what it means to be a woman from Turkey, which is, you know, a, a country that's not very maybe supportive of women. And this woman who herself didn't go to school and grew up in these small circumstances for her to push her daughters to this extent and for these daughters to be so full of love and and gratefulness for that 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 was that really touched me very very love that, that story, story. Love yeah that story. and do you find as you're speaking with different women are you finding that there are differences in lessons that their mamas have taught them depending on their culture are you finding similarities more differences yeah. 
it's interesting. I'm finding more similarities than differences. Okay. One difference that struck me, I, I come from a Catholic surroundings, but we, for generations, the family was just atheists. We're not. But it's interesting to hear Catholic guests talk about giving. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that those were the only and the only guests who mentioned giving Catholic. It's, that's interesting. I don't know what what to make out of it, but this this is something I noticed. What was also interesting is what repeatedly happens is a complaint because I always ask also what was something your mother was not able to teach you. So it's important for me, as I said, not to just glorify moms, but to try to look at it, you know, the way it is and and why and what was your mom not able to teach you. And consciously teaching our children about sexuality and sex comes a lot. And it's interesting. It's still a topic. And obviously, as parents nowadays, we have to be very conscious of that topic because women wish their mothers prepare them as one of the guests said, so I don't have to do a trial and error. (laughs) (laughs) Fascinating. Fascinating. I'm thinking of me as a mom and, you know, clearly a topic I was not comfortable with. So I resonate with what you're saying. Actually along those lines, Based on your own experience with Mama Yagoda, as well as, you know, speaking with all these women from around the world, do you have any insights about what it takes to be a great mom? Yes, yes, definitely. As I mentioned with Yagoda, just having this selfless connection with your child, and you can't go wrong. Even if you go wrong, it's not wrong. You know, even if you, I don't know, have a spell of depression, drinking, whatever wrong things it could be when you are so connected and selflessly adore the child and they know it. I think that's the basis for being a good mother, you know, Mm. but then what I've learned through the podcast, women are very grateful for their mothers when their mothers push them, when they tell them how amazing they are and give them courage and push them to take risks and go further and go the one mile longer. Mm-hmm. And yes, just, just push them to be the best versions of themselves. That sounds beautiful. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you only interview women. Is there a reason for that? No, they just happen very, very organically. It just, it, it just, because it comes from my connection with my mom, Right. I think that's, and I have listeners who, male listeners who are asking to be guests. They're like, when are you going to have men on your podcast? And I said, nah, maybe one day in the future. I don't, the longer I go, the more I think I will not have men in on the show because it just feels, I don't know, it feels like this sacred female space of this female energy that women just embrace so much because it's their own platform for this special relationship that's a mother and a daughter. I do not want to spoil it for now. Maybe Uh, one day in the future. It looks like you're following your intuition just as you did with uh, the name of the podcast. Yeah. So I have a couple of final questions for you, Anna. Given that this podcast is about ordinary people doing extraordinary things, who is your extraordinary person in your world? And you can't say your mom, because I know that already. (laughs) 
who is your your role model? You know, I was thinking about this question and it's a very hard one for me because I think especially after I've lived in Los Angeles for so many years, I've learned that unless you really closely know somebody, the appearances, just appearances. So to say, I don't know, whoever that I don't know personally would be. And so thinking of this question, my my intuition again went towards my son. <laughs> and I was wondering if you would allow me to say my son. I have a second thing, a second guest. If I'm not allowed to say Kai, then I have another one. But I'm just so, I'm learning so much from him, you know. And, and I'm learning that what Yagoda was, this connectedness with things and, and just being there and being in the moment. And I'm also learning persistence, which I feel I didn't have in my life as he does. This winter, we put him on ice skates and send him to a hockey class without even knowing how to ice skate. And he went on this ice and fell literally like 57 times and came back to the bench in tears and was just like, I can't, I don't want to. And we spoke to him and he went back on ice and he shot a goal. <laughs> I mean, that's how he, during this quarantine, he decided to learn piano. He's learned, he, in this four months, he has this little tablet with a little program and he's learning piano by himself and he's playing reading music and playing piano with both hands he has the persistence that I if I had in my life I think I would be like the president of the world right now (laughs) (laughs) well you're totally allowed to say that uh, Kai is your extraordinary person And, and also watching him what I think all of our grown ups have to relearn is just just doing things. He just, you know, he's obsessed with martial arts. I used to practice Tai Chi and do, I, I, I did Tai Chi with weapons. So I did sword and a Kung Fu fan and things like that. And he asked me, he knows, he, he knows that I have a sword. So he asked me to teach him and I started teaching him the sword and to see him repeat it. And now he's practicing by himself and he does his own Tai Chi moves with the fan or the sword. And it looks amazing. It's the thing, you know? But we grown-ups would be so self-conscious and we would think we don't know the form and we don't know how this goes. And he just does it. And I'm looking at him and I'm just like, I want to be like you. I just want to do things, you know, just just do it and not care what the form is and what anybody would think. It's such a beautiful lesson, right? They just show up and they see the world with wonder. Whereas I think as adults, we're afraid. We're afraid. We're fading and we... Yes. And other thing, I think self-conscious, very like, how does it look? And it's not right and it's not perfect. And That's a great lesson. You you say, Kai, thank you on our behalf. (laughs) (laughs) And that this uh, podcast is about choosing hope and in light of everything that's going on in the world today, what is your one hope for the world? again gave me a very tricky question and I was ironing today and I was thinking about it and I wanted to say Monira you know you chose the wrong person for this because I'm a terrible pessimist what about human beings (laughs) and I do not have much hope in them unfortunately maybe because I've been in a war and I've seen how quickly people turn into I don't even say animals because even animals wouldn't do these things you know 
but then I didn't want to give up and I was ironing my shirts. Persistent. <laughs> and then I thought, my hope for the world is that we finally learn how to unite the yin and yang, how to unite female and male, how to unite emotions with logic. That's it. Female and male, yin and yang. Because again, what I see happening, you know, we've been living in this male young world for thousands of years, which was going towards development and earning and building and creating and constructing and all of these rational things. And obviously, it's high time that that changes towards the more female or yin, more a softer and more naturally natural and loving way of living. But unfortunately, I have to say with what I see happening right now, that's it's being too irrational for my taste, Mm. being too emotional. And I would understand it that we do create change sometimes by, by going further to the other side, but I'm worried we don't have time for this. I'm worried that the planet is melting and burning down. We don't have time to point fingers and be like, you did this 300 years ago and you did this and who's killing whom and who we need to unite <laughs> and we need to unite in the, on this, not only on a racial and these differences, but on this higher way of thinking mm. where we take the best of this white male world and civilization that we created here in the West. We take the best from that. We take their tools and try to repair the world, not mm. fight and reject and, you know, blame, but use what we have to repair the, the, the humanity and the planet, which urgently needs, urgently needs our love. I Oof, think this was very philosophical. <laughs> Did it make any sense? sense. <laughs> I mean, the, the words that kept coming up is about the oneness, about the humanity, about coming together, about looking at the good that we have and then figuring out the the softer side of it yes uh, yes, but I think the yes. message I'm hearing from you is let's do this now let's do this before it's too late but let's do it without attacking each other and killing each other let's do it by embracing the differences and being like look you know this we know this let's just figure out how to make this place a better place I think that's a really good place to stop. Um, and uh, great, great, great messages. What a joy it's been to speak with you. What a joy it's been to connect with you. And if you're listening to the podcast and have not yet experienced Anna's uh, podcast, thank you, Mama. I would encourage you to um, to check it out immediately. It's a feel-good podcast. And it's, it's almost like sitting down with the best friend uh, over chai. And, and having a chat. So uh, thank you for that. And I can't wait. Uh, I plan to listen to another episode tonight. <laughs> thank you for making the time. Any last words, Anna, before we finish? No, I just want to say thank you for having me as a guest. And thank you again for having me talk about my podcast and my mama. Because very often I'm I'm asked to talk about the war and my back surgery and my burnout and all these other challenges and all the cancers we healed in our family. It's so refreshing and so beautiful. And thank you. Thank you for connecting with me on such a beautiful level and inviting me. 
You're so welcome. The joy is all mine, Anna. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you like what you heard, click the subscribe button to listen to more episodes. And if you are an ordinary person doing extraordinary things and want to be a guest on this show, message me on my Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feed. In the meantime, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, choose hope. Hope is the spark that ignites us to move forward and make things happen.